Take your Bibles, turn to Romans. Romans chapter 11 is where we'll be. We'll also be in Psalm 1, but uh, first of all, I want to thank Pastor and Brother John for the, well, and Brother Zach, for the opportunity to be able to preach. And I got told this, I think, uh, I don't know how many weeks ago, but uh, I was ready and I had something in mind. And I had the sermon in my head, and I was going to go through it, and I had the passage ready. And just last night, I was going through it, and my mom and dad are like, go through it with us, see how it goes. I said, okay, yes, ma'am. So I did it, and when, by the end of this, me telling them what I'm going through, I was like, that makes no sense at all. And so God led me in a different direction. But uh, Romans chapter 11, we'll be reading, starting in verse 16. Um, but before I do, I want to give an illustration. I think it was about a year, two years ago, maybe three. I'm very off of my time. Uh, but if you could imagine that, like, down there is a house. It's um, a small house. Um, it's where my aunt lives, not too far from up the road from here. And if you were to stand this way, over to your right would be another plot of land that she owned. And whenever my grandma and grandpa owned it, if you were to look to the right, you'd see a willow tree, a barn, and then in front of that was a big, tall tree that uh, was standing there. And every time we would go over there, we'd like during Christmas or Thanksgiving or something, all the kids would go outside and play over in the side of a plot of land and play tag and freeze tag and... Zombie tag, all the tags that you can think of. And we're sitting there, and we'd play it. And this whenever Jonathan and I were younger. But over time, we started working and working, getting more jobs over there. And the big tall tree is what I'm going to be focusing on while through this sermon. But Romans chapter 11, verse 16 says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy... So are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boasting not against the branches, but if thou, or boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in, Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity, but towards thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also... If they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? First, I want you to notice the, the spreading. Look at verse 16. It says, For if the first root be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. 
And I was sitting there, and I heard this illustration. If you, my dad used to buy these bags, and he'd have a full of just apples, and we'd go through it. I don't know how fast, but Jonathan and I would eat like half an apple, and then the rest would rot. And um, our brother would eat like two or three of them at a time. But the point is that if you were to have that that bag of apples, and you were to have one rotten apple in it eventually, if you let it sit there, the rest of the apples are going to be rotten. And the same goes for us. Now, we ought to be careful what we allow in our ears, eyes, and what conversations we associate ourselves with because it will spread to the rest of the lump or to the rest of those around us. My dad has always taught us that whenever you have sin in your life, that we, we always get in the mindset that this is my sin. It only affects me. But I've learned the hard way that sometimes my sin... My own personal thinking of, oh, I can get away with this, or I can do this, and it won't hurt anybody. But the truth and the matter of fact is that, and the Bible says it, that my sin will hurt those around me. My family, friends, people that I love. And whenever you start hurting other people because you think it's that you're fine, that's where we mess up. That's where we start hurting other people, and that's where we start... Thinking, and that's where we get in the wrong mindset of that we can do this on our own, that nobody will, it won't hurt anybody. So, why, what's wrong with this sin if it doesn't hurt anybody? But if you were to go through every single sin that we could possibly commit, if at the end it affects somebody, if not everybody around us. And it's just like the tree that at my aunt's house. It looked green, it looked fruitful, it looked strong, it looked like a nice tree to play under, and it looked like a tree that was going to be there forever, as long as I was there. But now it's down. Why is it down? Because we didn't see that there was something that was spreading to the tree to make it rot. But not only do you see the spreading, but you see the partaking. The partaking. Look at verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and now, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. This right here, it really makes me happy. It might not show while I'm up here, but I actually, I was very excited about this sermon. But it's completely different up here. But here, here is talking about how we're grafted into the, the family or the tree of God. And if you look at it, it says that we partake of the root and fatness of the olive tree. And this is just another example of, just like in the garden, that God never gives us the worst. He always tries to give us the best. But sometimes it's us who rejects what He thinks is best for us. But also, we need to remember where, who we were and where we came from. You don't have to turn to, but if you want to, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. And here, I, Brother John encouraged me to study it out. And uh, I started studying it out and memorizing it and all that. He actually was one of those verse, versathons. It was a versathon chapter that we had to memorize. And it caught my attention, but Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 12 through 13, and it shows us who we were, 
and who we are after we get saved. Verse 12 says that at that time you were without Christ, being, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Verse 12 shows us who we were. We were, we were hopeless. Look at the very end. Or look at the very end. It says, having no hope. And I started thinking about that. Like, what is a situation that you have no hope in? Like, you think there's no possible way that's out of it. And I still didn't come up with one. But sometimes that's what we feel like. We feel like there's no hope. Sometimes we feel like that... There's no way out of the situation that we're in. There's no way that we could ever get, ever be free from this bondage or anything. And then it says, and without God in the world. This world is very wicked, very vile, very bad. But can you imagine? living in this world without God. There's so many things, and that's what we chose to do. We chose to say, you know, God, we can run this world. We can try and live in this world without you. We've got it from here. Thanks for creating it. That's if you believe that he created it. The thing is, at the very end, we still messed it up. But verse 13 is the best part. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We don't need to forget who we were because if we forget who we were, then we'll start boasting in who we are now because we'll forget who brought us there. And that's Christ. We can never be saved if it wasn't for Christ, we can never do the good things that we think is right. Because if we try and do what we think is right, it might be good. And like my brother John says, we might think it's good, but sometimes it's not always what God wants. It's not the best thing. And if it's not the best thing, then it's I'm not saying that it's bad, but it's not of God. Because God desires to give us, his children, the best. But then here Paul's in Romans. You can go back to Romans. Here Paul talks about the spreading, the part, the partaking. But he also gives a warning. A warning. Look at verse 20 and 21. So after going through 16 through 19, he says, verse 20, Well, because of unbelief... They were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. What do we, why, he says, but fear. Why, what do we have to fear here in this situation? What do we have to fear whenever that we were standing by faith? According to, according to the verse, and thou standest by faith. We were standing by faith. What do we have to fear? And it goes on verse 20. It says, for if God spare not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Here Paul's pretty much saying, if God didn't keep Israel 
or if God didn't keep the natural branches, what makes us think that He'll keep us whenever we sin? What makes us think that Israel was able to do the things that he did, they did, and God said, you know what? Which, thank God, He said, no, I'm not going to use you for right now. I still have a purpose for you, but I'm going to go over here to these Gentiles and use them. And He's using us, and what makes us think that if He didn't use them for that moment in time and decide to use us, what makes us think that He won't use us when we turn around at Him and say, we've got it from here? We do the exact same thing. We read the Bible sometimes too. And we say, we read Israel in the Old Testament. We say, man, Israel, are you guys just, you just don't get it. You made this mistake how many times? And you go to do it again. But how many times would, if we were in the same situation, would we do the same thing? And then how many people would look at us and say, you've done this over and over and over and you still do the same thing. And we still do it over and over and over. And we still don't get it. But God graciously and lovingly looks at us and says, I forgive you. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for your sins. That just shows the love of Christ. And Paul warns us about it. And it just stuck out to me that how many times do I myself, I'm not preaching. Whenever I preach, I like, I think pastor told me this. Whenever you preach, you're not only preaching to the congregation, preaching to yourself. And this hurt me, not hurt me, hit me in a way that I'm, I'm sitting here trying to live a Christian life and I try and look at God and I say, I think I've got it from here. I think I've got it under control, especially with school. School is the main part. That's just, I think that I can do, it's a perfect example. I think I can do school on my own, which I can't. I have to have my tests and quizzes from my parents. But, but whenever I'm studying or I'm doing my schoolwork for the day or any job that I'm doing and the jobs that y'all work and the, and the things that we do in our daily lives, how many of it do we actually say, do we wake up every morning and say, God, be with me today? Because today is a new day. And today, I need you. Because we can't, because first of all, it goes to the beginning that you woke up. Why? Because God decided to wake you up. God decided to give you another day to live. And we should live our fullest potential to, for God that day because he gave it to us. And just like the tree at my aunt's house, there were, there, there were warnings. There were warnings that came whenever branches were falling and the the leaves weren't blooming and it wasn't the bark started falling off and it and it just started looking bad but we never paid attention to it why because there it was trying to warn us but we weren't paying attention to it and how many times did God try to warn us but we don't pay attention to it or we do notice it we just choose not to pay attention to it because we're distracted or we want to focus on this over here thinking something that we think we've got under control, but God's trying to say, hey, you're going to mess up. You're going to do wrong. You're not going to get through that. You have to have me. Listen, come on, Jared, listen. You can't do do that test on your own. It's serious, though. I can't do a test on my own. And how many times we try to do things on our own, but God tries to get our attention, 
But we look at God and say, no, I've got it from here. I don't need you. Whenever every single hour we need him. But not only do you see the warning, you see the judging. The judging. Look at verse 22. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. So it gives us two things of God right here at the beginning. It says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them, meaning Israel, which fell severity, but towards thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. So it gives the goodness of God and it gives the severity of God. And it says, on them which fell severity. Severity means, or severity is talking about a level of intensity. And I'd say it's pretty intense whenever God says, I'm not going to use you for right now. I'm going to go over here to the Gentiles. And I don't ever want to get to the point where God looks at me and says, I, don't, I can't use you right now. Why? Because I've got something in my life that's hindering him from using me. And God says that he brought severity on them and goodness to us. And it says, if thou continue in his goodness. How many of us are going to choose to live in his goodness still? How many of us are going to actually acknowledge the goodness that God shows in our lives each and every single day? No, wow, that was messed up. Each and every single day of our lives. First of all, we need to be humble about the goodness that he gives us and about the position that we're in as being saved. Because first of all, salvation is always and will always be a miracle. And the reason why we need to be humble about it is because God could have still used Israel. Because God has so much power. He could have changed the lives of, his, of the hearts of Israel to still be used. But he chose to come over to us, Gentiles, first of all, because he loves us. He's not willing that any should perish. But we need to be humble about it because it's no harder for God to save a Jew than it is a Gentile. Because salvation is always a miracle, and salvation was given freely to us Gentiles. And if it's given to us Gentiles, it's given to the Jews, how much easier would it be for him to use the Jews, his chosen people, the chosen people of God? How, many, how much easier would it be to use them than it would be to use us? But he chose to use us. Why? Because he loved us. But not only do you see the judging, you see the grafting. The grafting. Whenever I heard this, or whenever I read this, whenever I I saw it, I was sitting there, I was like, what in the world is grafting? I had a slight idea of it. But grafting is, if you were to have a dead plant, what you would do is you take the live part that's still on the plant and you'd cut it off. And what you do is you go to a live plant tree or another live plant and what you do is you cut a little slice in it enough just to get the bark off and you take that plant and you'd stick it in that slice that you that's opened up and then you wrap it in some sort of tape or 
clear wrap so that way that so that way it's able to get nutrition it's still able to grow and to survive and to thrive but the thing is whenever you put that plant in the slot that you cut it has two things it has two options either it can take the nutrients or it can reject the nutrients that it's getting and how many times do we choose to reject the nutrients that we have or how many times do we choose to actually take it cuz god's in control and he has given because he's given salvation freely and we have the option to take it he it's a it's a gift to us whenever you have a gift you have the option of taking it or not and we choose to take it or not take it and I hope and pray that you've chosen to take it, which most people that I know have, because I'm homeschooled. But, but salvation, like I said, is a gift. And we have to choose to take it. And also, whenever it has the option, it can or cannot take it. And if you've chosen to take it, you've been grafted into the family of God. And don't, don't, do not. I had to learn this whenever I read this. Do not take it lightly because you're a child of God. I mean, how many people have the opportunity, or a lot of people have the opportunity, but think about missionaries. Think about uh, people who have never heard of Christ. How many of them have the opportunity to hear? But here in America, we have the opportunity and we just sit here and flippantly think about it, flippantly live our lives as, like Pastor said, he said that it's a difference now between Christian and actual Christianity. There's so many people who say they are Christian, but Christian is not a title, it's actions that we live. Things that, not things, things that we choose to live by, things that we live based off of the word. But if you take your Bibles, turn to Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Psalm chapter 1. And I'm going to be focusing mainly on verse 3. But if you read through Psalms 1, it's only six verses. Here, we, this really started, I really didn't notice it, but it really has helped me that whenever we do go to Clarksville Recovery, that we say this each and every single Friday night. And there's so much here that you can actually see and look at. But Psalm chapter 1, it says in verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Bringing it to this point, bringing to the end, if we're going to choose to try and live a 
fruitful, live a thriving Christian life. This verse tells us what to do and what not to do. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not. So this is what we're not supposed to do. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So verse 1 tells us what not to do, but if you go to verse 2, it tells us what to do. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So first of all, what you're supposed to do, if you want to live a thriving, fruitful Christian life, delight in God's word. And in his law, delight in his word and meditate on his word day and night. If you do that, you'll be blessed and you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's end in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you for this time to spend with you and talk to God. Thank you for this